Susan. And this is Katie. And welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. And you know, Katie, we have been looking forward to this episode for so long. Like, um, so long. I can't so even long. tell you. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I just thought today is going to be a good day. And it even got me like choked up teary eyed about it because I, you know, when you know someone through other people, I know our guests today through other people, like a lot of other people, which is so strange. Um, and all they can, they're all so consistent in what they have to say about our guest. Mm-hmm. So um, Tab Hodges, who is one of my dearest loves um, for the last 20 years, um, she adores our guest. Um, Mia Lavalley, who, uh, not Mia Lavalley, that's our, that's our worship pastor's daughter, <laughs> Mia Laser. <laughs> Girl, Susan? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, that's a child. Mia Laser, who I've known also for a very long time, speaks so beautifully of our guest. Um, Donna Pisani, and then also our newest team member, Irene Rollins, gushes when she talks about our guest. I mean, like, gushes. And they all are like, Susan, she speaks. I mean, she has got a prophetic voice and how she can speak over people's lives, how she can um, encourage them on in their gifting, how they really feel like they're better women because of her presence in their life. And this, and I'm telling you, she's the real deal because you don't get four solid women of God talking about the same person, saying the exact same things, unless you know Man, God is using this woman to further the kingdom. And, and I am so grateful today. Hey, I'm going to say this and I'm going to shut up because I know you are eager. You're almost biting your microphone. You're I'm so almost crazy. biting the microphone. So <laughs> I just want to say this. I, I love our She Speaks community so dearly that I feel like we are handing them a gift today because we are getting ready to hand them a woman that is going to speak life over them and that what they can listen to through her story, they can glean something for their own. And I'm just so grateful. And listeners, our guest's name. Yes. <laughs> I know. I never even said her name. Tammy Floyd. Yes. And Amen. she is a senior pastor yes. at LifePoint Church in Fredericksburg, with along her with her husband, Daniel. Yes. And I got the privilege of... Uh, visiting that church this this very past Sunday and seeing Tammy on the stage with her husband um, rolling out some of the ideas that their church is involved in. It's such a beautiful, loving, um, confident, and yet humble and beautiful way. So um, I was so excited sitting in the in the chair in the audience because I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet her on Zoom. I'm going to meet her. <laughs> so we will shut up because you need to meet her. Yes. And so Susan, read the bio and then we're jumping right into welcome Tammy okay. Floyd. All right. So Tammy Floyd grew up the daughter of an Air Force chaplain moving every two to three years and the oldest child of four. Today, she's mama to four and co-pastor of LifePoint Church with husband Daniel Floyd. Lean in and listen to Tammy Floyd's story of staying faithful. Tammy, we are so glad that you are with us today. I am so happy to be here. Man, it's taken way too long, but I'm with you, Susan. Like I believe that today is the day. It was for now. And we have really been attempting this for two years. We have. For yes. two years. We totally have. 
Because is that so? And yeah, I mean, it really has been two solid years. And so you know what, Genesis two lays things for a purpose. Yeah, we tried to get you when we were a little. We called ourselves a mom and pop ministry, but there was no Mm -hmm. pop, so we were just mom and mom. (laughs) And we had no technology except microphones at my kitchen table. Remember that, Susan? We didn't know how to do Zoom. I love it. So we were always just casting around for local people that were amazing. So yeah. that's when we tried to get you like, could you come over to my kitchen and, you know, but you're dead right. It was for such a time as this. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Tammy, I had no idea that you grew up with a dad as an uh, Air Force chaplain and moving around because, mm-hmm. and, and I want you to just describe that because my husband, Mike, um, also grew up. It, with a dad as an Air Force chaplain. Really? I'm even wondering if they cross paths at some time. Yeah. Now, I know I'm a couple of decades older <laughs> than you, but um, Mike's dad, his last tour in the Air Force as a chaplain was on the IG team. And so he would fly to every, almost every uh, Air Force base and meet with the chaplains there. So when I read in your bio that that's how you grew up, I'm like, I would not doubt if my father-in-law, Carl Hawkins, crossed paths with your dad somewhere yeah, along the way. And obviously, Mike knows what it was like. I mean, his dad was a missionary in Africa for a long time first and then in France. But then he joined the Air Force as a chaplain. Wow. So Mike knows that life and moving. World. Um, yeah. And uh, so can you kind of describe your growing up years um, to our listeners? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to say it is such an honor to be with you guys today. I love your ministry. I love what you do. I love how you are impacting women all over the world, those who know Jesus and those who have not yet come to faith in Jesus. It's so special. And so thank you for the privilege of just being with you today, sharing a little bit of my story. So I did grow up, um, you know, some people say military brat. I kind of don't love that. I like to say I'm a military child. Um, or a military result. I don't know. Um, but my dad was a chaplain in the air force. So I was born in Texas. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, but I was only there for nine months. So I can't really say I'm a true Texan, but I claim it anyway. And, um, then we started the journey of really moving every three years of my life. So I got the privilege of living overseas a few times. And then, um, most of my growing up child years was on the West coast in California and Las Vegas. And then my senior year of high school, we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh my! And I honestly, I didn't even know where it was on the map. I wasn't sure where we were going and it is, it is its own world, Shreveport, Louisiana, but God did a lot of things in my life um, in that season, my senior year. I don't want to jump too far ahead yet, but, um, you know, I think being able to move around so much, um, God always, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted with the Lord. So without me even realizing it, God was preparing me to really get connected with people quickly Yes, because I had to adapt fast. Every three years of my life, I was relearning how to adjust and how to adapt and how to build relationships fast. And um, I think now in in full-time ministry, things are always changing, you know, and as the world changes, like we kind of have to pivot some, obviously this last year, we pivoted a whole lot. Everybody did in 2020. And um, I'm still not an early adapter to change. 
I'm still working on that muscle. My husband very much is, and he's usually dragging me along. But um, I'm grateful for those years growing up, just getting to see the world and meeting all kinds of people. And um, now I look back and love it. But I would say, you know, as a kid, it's it was hard to leave, you know, your friends and start over because it does take time yeah. to build community. Yeah. Were you a little traumatized when you moved your senior year and a little angry at your parents? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, by my senior, that's a great question. I don't know if my mom and dad will listen. I'm sure they will. I'm not traumatized, mom and dad. I'm doing good. Um, I think that honestly, by the time I was, you know, entering in my senior year of high school, like the moves kind of became exciting. Yeah. You know, like the Lord, uh, the Lord had really showed my whole life. Like he, his mercy brought friends and brought community pretty quickly. So for God to move us, my senior year of high school, I just knew he had to be in it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Total and sense. So, and the only reason I asked is we moved, uh, we have four kids too, and Mike was a Marine. So we moved them around yeah. all the time. And we had to move him here to uh, Stafford his senior year from okay. Rhode Island, um, where he was like the soccer star and he had this gorgeous group of friends that adored him. And the friends' parents begged us, please let him just live with us. Mm. His, senior, his senior year. And I don't know if I was selfish as a mom or being wise, but I said, no, no, I think being wise, he's my son. And I, I, yeah. I, I want him our senior year, but he was not happy with us. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had, um, my, my junior year of high school, I got to go to a performing arts school in my Las Vegas. And, um, I've done music my whole life. I started piano lessons when I was seven and, um, my parents, they, sometimes they called us the Von Trapp family because of my, we just, we, we all kind of are musical and we'd sing together and whatever. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Now I look back and think about all the funny songs we sang and stuff, but my dad, with my dad being a chaplain, I mean, he could say special music today is us. You know? <laughs> so, awesome. um, Do you ever sing at Life Point? I used to, when we started the church, um, I was one of the main worship leaders wow. and, um, then, yeah, I was, so I'm not, I'm not doing that now. And it's a little, yeah. anyways, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll get to that in a minute, yes, but, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Right, but so a here. huge chunk of my identity would be music for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now when you, um, after, how did you arrive at what to do after high school? And then what did you yeah. see life including after that? Great. So. Um, we moved my senior year. I wouldn't say, you know, it was my favorite thing because I was leaving a very strong group of friends that I had made in high school, but I just, you know, I trusted, I trusted, even though I didn't see like, God, why would you do this? My senior. So we, we drive to Louisiana the day we move in, there's another chaplain and, um, who's going to be working with my dad. And he had a daughter who was also going to be a senior in high school. And we instantly, like when I say instantly became best friends, it was like, it was immediate. And so at that point, I did not know after high school where I was going to go to college. I knew I wanted to go. I wanted to study music, um, but I just wasn't sure what that looked like. Well, she was always going to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. 
always. That was always her plan. Her dad was very close with the Falwell family and that was like her destiny. And so I was like, I don't know about that school. What are you talking about? And (laughs) so I would never, probably never even have come across the thought of attending Liberty if I hadn't moved, if we hadn't moved. So I ended up graduating that year and um, ended up at Liberty University in the fall of 1996, which is a little while ago. But anyway, um, it's, it was much different than it is now as far as the size. It's very yeah. small. Guys, we had to wear skirts to class. <laughs> like we would get up in the winter hoping it was below freezing so we could wear pants. I mean, this is, this is like how long ago it was, but I mean, I didn't mind the dress code. It was fine with me. Um, and when I went to visit, I will say this, my senior year, my parents took us, me on a college tour. There were a few other colleges, Lee college, Elon college that I was interested in. And, um, when I got to Liberty and did like a college for a weekend, like I just knew, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I had such a piece. Yeah. So I ended up studying music education, got a degree in music education, um, certified to teach like K through 12, kindergarten through 12th grade music, specifically chorus. And um, my senior year of college, right before graduation, I had an interview at an elementary school and I was confident I was getting this job. You know, when you go into an interview and you just feel so good about it, there's such a good flow, a good chemistry. You feel like you nail the questions. And um, the day after I graduated college, I got a phone call that they went with someone else. And I was devastated because I was what am I going to do with my life now? Like, I can't go back to a college dorm. I'm not really interested in getting my master's. You know, I, this was the job I thought I had lined up. And my dad was just like, listen, just come home for the summer. My dad and my mom had recently gotten stationed in Germany. Mm. So dad's like, come to Europe for the summer. It'll be fun. We'll travel. We'll go see some places. Just take some time to pray and see what God has next. And so that's what I did that summer. And, um, it was, it was, oh, he, it it really was, it kind of, it really marked me in a way. I remember yeah. sitting on the edge of, of our bed and my, just sobbing in my daddy's arms, like, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And he's like, it's okay. Just come home, just yeah. come home for a little bit. And you know, you, God will show you. So yeah, I love really that. quickly in a nutshell, I did go home to Germany. There was a family in France that needed a no pair and they lived in an old castle. Now I grew up, We are huge Disney fanatics. Like we love all things Disney. Well, most things Disney, not all things, most things. (laughs) And um, you gotta be careful these days. And so like, I was like, live in a castle for a year? Sign me up. So my dad and I drove to France. We went to this house and like, as much as I wanted to do it, something fell off. And I was like, I just don't think this is it. You know, even though it was like this dream opportunity and, um, within weeks, I got a phone call from another school district in Virginia that the school district that turned me down recommended me to them because they were looking for a middle school and a high school chorus teacher. And they're like, if you can fly, if you can get here in the next few weeks. So I flew back to Virginia, had that interview, was offered the job on the spot. 
And um, so God, he got, he used the interview I got rejected from, you know, to really propel me to, to my destiny, honestly, moving forward. The the idea of open and closed doors and you go Mm -hmm. through one door like, like your move to Shreveport and meeting yeah. that best friend. That's not accidental. Yeah. The sovereign hand right. of God. And then that door opened the next door to Liberty and the closed door of that job then opened the door to go to Europe for the summer. Hello. Yeah. Who would not Hello. want that? <laughs> that is glorious. Yeah. And then another open door and then you walk through that. And is that around the time you met? Your husband, when you when you started that job, tell us about yeah, meeting Daniel actually. and all that. Yeah, so and he also went to Liberty. We had similar friends, but we weren't like we didn't hang out together. So we knew of the same people, but we were in different circles. And um, so I moved back to Virginia in July of two thousand one, and Daniel and I met through a mutual friend. Again, we met. Well, we really officially met. Like I said, we knew of each other, but we'd never really. Met, we met in December of 2001. And so he, how do I describe my husband? He, the first time I met him, I thought, you are interesting. <laughs> like he was just so, the man had like vision for his life. Mm-hmm. He, he, he knew he wanted to be used by God, whatever that looked like. He wasn't a hundred percent sure, but he knew he wanted to be involved in the local church. He knew that for sure. And he just wanted to be part of something um, big for the kingdom. And so like our first interaction was not on just a date with him and I, we were with some friends having dinner that, that man asked me 20 questions. The first time we sat down, like, where do you see yourself in five years? What are you going to do next year? What what are your dreams? What are your goals? And I'm like, Hey, time out. What's your name again? Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, you know, like this is a lot of information, right? And I, this is literally what I said to him right now, God has called me to be a middle school and a high school choral teacher. And I'm staying faithful in that until he calls me to something new, because I do think that in life, there is sometimes this pressure, especially in ministry, but in life in general, like mm-hmm. what is your calling? What is your purpose? What are you going to do with your life? Blah, 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 blah. And I just, I feel like sometimes God just wants us to stay faithful to what he's put in front of us right now. That's right. Right now, not jump ship, not chase the shiny thing in front of us, Mm -hmm. but to stay faithful, let him do the things he needs to do in our lives in the moment so that we're ready for whatever it is, you know, that comes next. Being proactive. Now, I'm not saying be lazy, lay in bed and wait for a holy word to come down from the sky, but being proactive with, with what he's placed in front of us. Kind of like like the difference between... Like we think, okay, there's a destination. I need to make the map and have all the roads laid out and then get on that road, stay on that road and get to that destination versus, okay, the general destination, but I'm going to have a GPS, which is the Holy Spirit in the car with me in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. He says, hey, turn here. And, and then we're like, wait, that's that would not be the quickest way to the destination. This is me processing my own, you know, craziness because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a planner. I want to plan. I want to like, okay, Same. Lord, this is what I'm going to do for you. 
Now, That's right. <laughs> you need to do this to make it all happen, you know? And in these latter years, he's showing me. Relax. Yeah. I'm in the car with Relax, you. Relax, right? You know, not in, like you said, not that you're lazy and just sit around and go, okay, well, you drive, I'm taking a nap in the back seat. Right. You know, you drive, but I'm right here next to you, alert, ready, excited. So I love that. Absolutely. Did Dan, what, what did, was Daniel a little taken aback when you said to him that answer? Yeah, I think he loved it. It was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, I will say this too, Katie, one of my like life verses is Proverbs 16, nine, and it says in his heart, a man plans his course. So we plan, we plan our course, but it's the Lord who determines our steps, wow. right? Which really is like a free pass in some ways for me. It takes the pressure off, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to make some plans, but ultimately I'm going to let the Lord determine and my hold steps. Him lightly. And hold them lightly. And mm-hmm assume rightly that he'll show you like when you went to that castle nothing wrong with going to that castle and having an excitement like this could be the coolest yes and responding to the nudge of the holy spirit of "Hmm, could be cool but this is one i have for you right Um, this isn't it yeah Yeah. you know what i love is that you and daniel complement each other so well um because Mm -hmm. it it's just beautiful how you were like no, this is, this is what I'm staying faithful in right now. Um, I'm, it makes me think back on one time you, um, Tab and Stu Hodges had been here uh, and mm-hmm. visiting you guys. And they, Tab or something called on the way out of town was asking, you know, we were talking a little bit. And I said, you guys have fun. And she said, you know, um, lunch with them is always so filling and so amazing. She said, because... God has gifted Daniel as this strategic thinker where Mm -hmm. he asks the good questions. So when you said he asked you 20 questions, it took me back to that phone call with Tab. He asks the right questions. It reminds me of a book that I just recently read on. uh, Basically, you ask questions when people are talking to you. Instead of giving them answers, you ask them more questions Mm -hmm. because you're helping them get to where they need to be. And uh, Tab was like, and then Tammy Tammy is able to encourage you in the vision that you know you are just you were experiencing seeing right there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what a compliment that is. You are a compliment mm-hmm. where he can strategically move forward. And then you you are able to be so prophetic in how you can say, and I see how this could work. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah, yeah. Love that. I mean, that is a God-given gifting in a marriage to be able to spur other people on. I love that. I love yeah. that so much. Thanks. Did you guys fall yeah. in love right away, Tammy? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not right away. So he had been engaged before and I had been in a pretty serious relationship, not engaged, but definitely he had met my parents and we had talked about the future and stuff. But um, I think we, we, we were older ish with mid twenties, not like, you know, not old, old, whatever, whatever old is these days. I prefer to think nineties old, nothing under it is, but, um, (laughs) yes, but, um, we were, you know, out of college working full-time jobs. So we weren't in a rush and, and we weren't like dating for games. Yeah. You know, we just kind of were out of place where it's like, well, let's see, let's see where we go from this. Now I will say, um, it did not take long before we both realized, Hey, there's something like unique here. And, but I will tell you after a year of dating, 
Um, Daniel still didn't really know how he felt about me personally as not personally, but like future. So he's always been a visionary talking and, but the conversation was a lot. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so 12 months in, I just said, time out. Like, are you going to do this or are we going to do this? Mm. Because I need, you know, we've been dating a year and Uh my dad always taught me date at least for 12 months and experience every season together. Fall, winter, spring, and summer, because all of us are different in every season, right? So, like, we've done the year time frame thing, and he still wasn't quite sure. So, this is, girls, this is what I said to him you have a week. (laughs) You have seven days. You have seven days to make up your mind because I am not going to move forward with this if you don't know what you want still. I said, don't call me. Don't come around me. You have a week to figure it out. He called me every day. He called me every day for a week. And I said, you are not supposed to be calling me. And he's like, well, I, I think I left something at, um, you know, when we were hanging out the other night, I think, I think my jacket's in your car or I, I just have a question. I'm like, no, you don't have a question. In my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, you can't live without me. But I had to let him come to the realization oh, of that. Jimmy, I um, love that. So but, so, but I will tell you that the issue was fear. And mm-hmm. God used Daniel's dad. So Daniel's father is also a minister, was a pastor. Um, he has been in heaven for six years now. Mm-hmm. And I miss him so much. But God used my father-in-law to speak a word into Daniel and and just said, you are living from a spirit of fear based on your broken engagement and you need to get over it. Basically. Mm-hmm. He said, God has clearly put Tammy in your life in front of you for a reason. And, um, you just need to, you just need to accept it. So this is, this is always what I would say to his parents is that they loved me before he did, <laughs> um, which, you know, really is kind of wonderful. But, um, I will say from that conversation on, everything changed. He was just all in, fully committed, which he always was. There was just right. this hesitation because of past experience, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and how God can use godly people in our life to kind of set us straight yes. a little bit, right? I love that. So, love that. It, right. Oh, go ahead, Katie. Well, well, I was just going to say real quick, it kind of reminds me, um, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed uh, Ellen Vaughn, who wrote Elizabeth Elliot's um, yes. biography, and Jim mm-hmm. Elliot, I mean, they met in college, and they really were, like, in love, but he mm-hmm. could not settle that it would be God's will for him um, mm-hmm. to marry her, because he felt... It, called to be a missionary and give it all to God. And he thought he'd be kind of sidetracked, uh, with a wife. And, um, but yet he kept being drawn to her, drawn to her, drawn to her, drawn to her. And then when they finally, you know, got married, he's like, man, what was I thinking? This, (laughs) so as you're saying that I'm like, Tammy was smart. She gave him one week. Elizabeth Elliot gave him five years. Five years back and forth. forth, Well, in my mind, Elizabeth Elliot is a hundred percent a saint. She's one of my favorite. If I could meet when I get to heaven, she is the one of the ones top five. I want to sit down and have coffee with. Yeah. Amazing. That is amazing. All right. Now looking back, um, 
I mean, you, you and Daniel together are quite the team. Did you ever, ever, ever dream that your life would look the way it looks right now? Never. (laughs) (laughs) And a quick answer, never. Yeah. Um, Here's the deal. I had a boyfriend in college who broke up with me because I didn't know if I was called to be a pastor's wife. Mm. Now he came back around later and apologized and said, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. Let's get back together. And I said, no, thank you. But <laughs> bye-bye. You no, know, I, <laughs> bye-bye. I, I wasn't, I thought that I would make, I could make a good pastor's wife. My mom was a pastor's wife and she's, she was amazing at it. I got to like live in that and experience it, but I just, I just didn't know, you know? Um, so when Daniel and I met, he was traveling and speaking at the time, like I would say an evangelist, really going into churches and wherever he was needed. And, um, I had to hear him preach. I will tell you that I was like, I need to listen to this man because if this works out, I'm going to have to listen to this for the rest of my life. So if I'm snoozing, I'm out, (laughs) I'm out because I, I mean, it's important. Girls, if you're listening and you're dating a man who wants to go into full-time ministry and will be preaching one day, you better sit down and really listen. Like, do I want this forever? <laughs> I'm with you. Um, but he, um, I'm not just saying this because I'm his wife, but he is one of the greatest communicators I have ever heard. Like how he just brings the Bible to, he's just, he loves the word and he just helps young believers and senior believers yeah. like understand it even, even at another level. So, um, so that was a big check mark. Okay, great. You're a good preacher. Um, but my husband did not want to be a senior pastor. You know, he grew up, his dad was a pastor in small rural churches and their family went through a lot of church hurt sure. because hurting people, hurting people hurt people, yeah. but you know, healed people hurt people too, because we don't maybe mean to, but we say hurtful things and expectations aren't met and, you know, all of that. So he just felt like, you know what, I want to be a really great, like number two, like, I think he even talked about this in his message this past Sunday, but like wanting to remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Wanting to like move, move the pastor's mission forward and just be his right hand guy and carry his arms and, um, all of that. And so when God opened the opportunity for, um, him and I were married for a year when, when we got a phone call that a group of people had just lost their pastor and asked if we would come and um, asked my husband to come in and fill in and be their pastor. He's, you know, we just felt like it wasn't the right timing, but we agreed that we would come and help. That was the first time that we, he had even walked into like potentially a senior pastor position. And um, so that's kind of, that's kind of a big part of how our church started. Yeah. Because it wasn't, I, I said this to um, someone the other day. You remember when phones were on like cords, landlines? <laughs> Do you remember those days? So I remember there were times like when I was little that I would pick up the phone and it, someone would be there even before it rang. Yeah. It just happened to be the right time, right? Yeah. That's how I feel like we were called to church plant. Mm. Like, we were just staying faithful again to what God had put in front of us. And we had been at a church on Staten Island, New York, serving with our very best friends. And God said, go back to school to my husband, finish your master's degree. We did not have children at the time. So it was like the perfect thing. 
I taught for a year. Um, I always say I was a sugar mama while he did school full time. And then um, it was right at that time that we got this phone call about this group of people needing someone to lead. And um, so we just were like, we said no, because God had called us back to Lynchburg, Virginia and opened way too many doors. So we said, we'll come every weekend and we'll help you for a while. Now, for those of you listening that are not familiar with Virginia's geographic area, Lynchburg to Fredericksburg, Virginia is three hours. So every Friday after school, my husband picked me up. We drove to Fredericksburg, Virginia. We had meetings with our volunteers and everyone on Saturday. We were portable church for a very long time. Love it. It's the DNA of who we are. We hope to always, always have a portable campus. There's just something about it. Um, So we would set up, tear down. I mean, I remember my husband and I setting everything up. My husband would go to the back bathroom, change his clothes, get all ready, pat down, get out, preach a message, go back to the bathroom, put back on his workout stuff and tear everything down. Um, And we did, we just did what God told us to do, you know? And a little bit into that, a few months in, we just felt like the Lord was saying, actually, I want you to do this. This is what I'm calling you to do. So we finished out that year in Lynchburg because we stay faithful, right? So Daniel graduated um, in May of 2006, and we moved to Fredericksburg, Virginia, summer of 2006. And um, that same year, we launched LifePoint Church. So we had, we, we, we changed everything. We lost probably, we say we started with 50 because at first when we came, there was a hundred and then 50% didn't like the vision that we felt like God had really put in our hearts. And that's okay. Cause there's a lot of other really great churches in our community that we made sure they got plugged into because it's about the big C church, right? That's right. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So tell us about LifePoint. Yeah. Yeah. Love to. Oh, it's our first baby. That. So you had a hundred and it went down to 50, but yeah, you didn't get it went discouraged? Down to 50. No, no. And you know why? Because we knew the 50 were in it heart and soul. Yes. You yes. know, those 50 were like all about yes. the mission, all about the vision. Um, they were just a hundred percent, whatever, whatever we need to do, we want to do it because their heart was to see our community reached for Jesus. I love that. And um, yeah, so no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, definitely we might've been counting chairs for that first year, just like, is this going to (laughs) work? You know what I mean? Like church planning is, church planning is real. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that though. One, I love the humility of um, your story. The genuine, humble spirit of Lord, we're your servants. Mm-hmm. I love the picture of Daniel sweating as he's setting up chairs and then has to, <laughs> has to just pat off. down. There was no shower in that back cafeteria. Yeah. Now, that I mean, that is just all in. That is not like I have arrived, I'm the senior yeah. pastor, you people do what mm-hmm. I say. It's like we are in this together. Yeah. Let's all, and I, you know what, all these years later. When I visited your church last week, I got that sense. We are all in this yeah. together. There yeah. is not the lofty paid people 
that uh, will, you know, boss around all the <laughs> volunteers. This is a mm-hmm. effort. We are a body. Yes, there's yeah. a head shepherd. There has to be. There has to be structure. Right. But Absolutely. the body works together in harmony and beauty to show the world who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness. You know, Tammy, um, about three or four years ago, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, my mentor works, uh, her name is Susan Blunt and her husband, Steve Blunt, and they work with ARC mm-hmm. um, very closely yeah. um, through their publishing arm. And uh, one day I was talking with Susan and she said, um, do you know LifePoint Church? And do you know um, Daniel and Tammy Floyd? And I said, not personally, no. And she said, you need to uh, just, something's going on there that is really amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful. And just keep an eye out. Like, just just watch that because it's mm-hmm. beautiful what, what God is doing through that. And I said, do you know them? And she said, I had one conversation, but it was enough to know. And I just love that. I love that your name is spoken in rooms that you don't even know it's being spoken in. And I love that so much. I, I just, I love that so, so much. So do tell us about LifePoint now, because from your very humble beginnings of 50 people, God has launched <laughs> something pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, um, that really is humbling to hear that. People are hearing and talking about us and also scary, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like I think not not bad scary, but just like a reminder. Right. Like, um, I think sometimes like God does these big amazing things in our lives. And if we're not careful, like um we can abuse it unint- unintentionally, I yeah. think. Cause you're like, you know, you're riding the wave, you're riding the wave, whatever. Um, so I'm so, I'm so grateful that is the reputation of our church and our, that's our heart. Our heart is to be known as a church that loves their community and loves Jesus first and loves others second. That's right. Um, so thank you for sharing that. You know, when we, I didn't even know we were church planters because of the way it kind of all happened. And we planted in 2005 and back in 2005, church planning wasn't as quite I know it was happening, but like, we didn't really have like the resources or knew of other people. Like, like I said, it kind of just fell in our lap. So my husband, besides being like an amazing visionary, he's a hungry, hungry learner. So very quickly in, we realized that God was doing something special at our church and we didn't know what we were doing. So he reached out to just other churches that we had heard of that were doing church similar to how we were doing church. And so he would reach out and we would go and we would learn and we would come back and implement what we felt like we could implement. Um, So when we first started, we met at a community center called the Marshall Center, which I know you girls probably are aware of in downtown Spotsylvania. Um, And within a year, we had outgrown that space. So we then moved to an elementary school in the gymnasium. And um, also, you know, always had kids ministry because, I mean, let's be honest, we love our kiddos, but sometimes when we bring them in church, we're not getting a lick of anything because it's not on their level, right? Yeah. It's a little too much for them. So we 
that was a big heart of ours was to create an environment for our kiddos to learn about Jesus at and the level they could understand. And um, so we did, we did all that kind of stuff, set up, set up, tear down, tear down. Um, and God just kept bringing people Honestly, He just kept bringing people. We, we did this Easter egg drop one year. I have to tell you this really fun story real quick. We did an Easter egg drop one Easter where we dropped Easter eggs from a helicopter onto a field and let people run at it. Well, the very first one we, we did about three, the first one we did we woke up that morning. It was snowing. It was snowing in April. And we were like, what are we going to do? We literally just put all of our chips to the center of the table, like emptied our bank account because we just felt so strongly. God said, do this, do this for the community. This is how um, they're going to come. They're going to come because you're doing this. And so we're like, okay, God, we'll do reason. But thank God for the snow because the traffic that we caused because people came out to this egg drop because it was just something that had never been done in our community, like went out to 95. Like, I think we made the Washington post that day because of the traffic issue in Fredericksburg, Virginia. (laughs) So if we didn't have that snow, like we would have been, we were already overwhelmed, but we would have been so overwhelmed. But when we started, we just did crazy things like that. Whatever we could do to like, reach the community and, and get the name of the church out there so that they would know there is a safe place for them to come. And, um, so it just, honestly, it just kept, it continued to grow. We kept running out of space. We kept moving to different schools. Um, and we have a mentor in our life, a pastor that said, you need to multiply. And we're like, huh? And they just said, you need to have another campus. You need to do multi-site. Mm-hmm. We didn't, I didn't know what multi-site meant, you know, cause like I said, we didn't know what we were doing and we we're just trying to do our best. And he said, no, I really think you need to launch another campus. And I think you need to do it on Easter Sunday, which is in 60 days. I love it. I love it. Oh, in 60 wow. days. And so we pulled our staff of like five, five at the time together and our production guy, like he fell down to his knees, like like kind of not in like, yes, Lord, but in like, oh my word, what are we doing? <laughs> like, are you sure about this? Fiber optics from a school to another school and like all of the, I don't know all the terms, but, um, but there was such an excitement because we knew God was in it. We yeah. knew God was in it. And so in 60 days, we launched um, another campus and, um, you know, we just kind of never looked back. And that's just what God's done is like, you know, we're just, we do say we try to ride the wave of whatever God is asking us to do because yes. yes. it's kind of big and fast. And then he like kind of studies us out for a little bit to get it together. And then another big, you know, another wave of, of what, you know, of change. And so we currently have five campuses in Virginia and this in January, we launched our first LifePoint campus in Louisville, Kentucky. And in August of next year, we're launching a campus in Stuttgart, Germany. So since all of this, since all of this, God has really, we have such a heart for church planners. Um, You know, we didn't have a tribe for a long time. And my husband got invited to an art conference about six years ago. And he came back from that conference and he said, I have found my tribe. I found our tribe of people. And so we say we got adopted into ARC. We're not an ARC church plant. And um, if if your listeners aren't familiar with what ARC is, it's basically an ARC organization that helps train church planners and helps um, deport 
them and send them out. It's an amazing, amazing ministry. There's hundreds of churches all over the world that are planted out of this organization. So um, that's, that's kind of like, that's our tribe of people now that we would call for advice, help, prayer, relational equity, Irene Rollins, all the beautiful women that you named earlier, Donna, we've all met them through, through our ARC ministry. And so, um, but that, that's kind of the newest thing. And then a few years ago, my husband just earned his doctorate last year. I'm married to a doctor. (laughs) Dr. Daniel Floyd. My kids call him Dr. Daddy. (laughs) So cute. Daddy is what my four-year-old calls her, calls him. Um, but my husband uh, just loves education. I don't know that he loves education, but he's just an avid learner, like I mentioned a little bit ago. And we just, we are passionate about raising up the next generation and leadership. So we started a college, LifePoint College, um, about four years ago. And so um, we're excited to see what God's going to do with that. It's growing every year and um, just... Staying faithful, right? Staying we faithful. We are so interested things. in that college, Tammy. We'll we'll talk later offline about yeah. about that. But love to. Uh, but just quickly, tell our tell our listeners just a little bit about that college. Great. So we are. Um, it's a leadership college, but we're also connected with Southeastern University. So right now, it's just a two year program. Um, so we have daytime students and we have evening students. Our evening program is is more geared towards adults that are, um, you know, in in full time life, whereas our daytime program is more for college age students coming fresh out of high school or maybe even a couple years from from graduating high school and want to um, learn some leadership skills as well as get their associate's degree. Oh, so our our goal um, is to be a four year college and also offer some master classes as well. Nice. Oh my goodness. I I cannot, like, I want you to know this rarely happens. My cheeks literally hurt from smiling. So (laughs) (laughs) I just, I want you to know sincerely from the depths of my toes, I believe and know that the kingdom is bigger and stronger because of your faithfulness, like beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I, I, it just, to see what God is doing through his church and through the local church is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And to see Mm -hmm. your faithfulness and how you are influencing, not just this area, but now Louisville and now Germany and, and truly globally and where God is allowing you, um, to be able to speak and to be able to speak into the lives of so many people. I believe too, um, you know, I know I'm a little bit older than you, but we're kind of in that generation where women were in the weird footing of where do I belong mm-hmm. in ministry? Uh-huh. Right. I believe that you are, are influencing a generation that is seeing that women really were told to go and tell. Like the women mm-hmm. were really told at the tomb to go and tell about Jesus. Right. And there's not, there's not as many limits as uh, culture may put on us. And you are thriving in God's blessing of saying, here's my daughter, now go tell them about me. And mm-hmm. what's happening 
um, in your church, I believe is just such a direct result of your faithfulness. And it just, my cheeks cannot stop hurting because all I can think about is sincerely the generations of people where their families are going to be affected because they are learning faithfulness right now. So you've got these brand new people that are, um, first time believers, first generation believers mm-hmm. in their home that you yes. church is influencing. And then you think about now those kids that those parents are influencing, what you guys are a part of is influencing generations behind you. And that, that is, it's just absolute beauty. I mean, mm-hmm. it's absolute beauty. Mm-hmm. Tammy, it is. I cannot gush enough right now. We say that Gwen is our gusher on our She Speaks Stories team. Right now I feel like I am being Gwen right now because I could not love you more. I really could not. Like I am just so, I'm, I'm so thankful for how you are moving forward as a woman of faith to influence an entire generation of women that they too can do more. They too can Absolutely. trust more. They too can influence more. And I just... I love it. I love it so much. And I have Thank a specific you. question, if you don't mind, about it, it because it relates to what you're saying, Susan, um, influencing women. Did you guys choose Stuttgart, Germany because of your military connection? The military side of it, honestly, Katie, was a bonus. Um, we actually, the, the couple that we sent, Nat and Abby Wibberley, they, Abby was our first missionary that we sent out as LifePoint Church in the early, early days. She was single. We sent her to the country of Turkey. She okay. felt very called there. She met her husband there, who was also another um, American missionary. And so we've been supporting them for years. And long story short, two years ago, they were kicked out of the country of Turkey. Um, their eight years that they had spent there, they planted a church in Kayseri, Turkey, which is unheard of. I mean, it is unbelievable what God allowed them to do there. Um, but the country kicked them out and their babies were born there. Um, they are fluent in Turkish language. I mean, it was, it was a lot. So they came back to the States. Um, obviously, um, we're part of, continued to be part of our church that year. And God was just stirring in our hearts about this, you know, sending out couples that felt called to church planning. And Nat is a dual citizen. His mother is German. So he is a German citizen. Oh wow! And so they felt called to Stuttgart specifically because there is a large Turkish population there <gasps> in Stuttgart, Germany. Mm-hmm. Okay. So their, you know, their hearts are for the Turkish people and now obviously also for the German people. And it just and so happened. There's both. all these military bases. And that, in that, that area. is the only reason I ask because um, a, a big part of our audience are military wives um, yes. all around the world. Listeners, I just, if you are a, a military <laughs> family, the idea um, that you could hear this story of a genuine church that just mm-hmm. wants to build people up. And show people who Jesus Christ is yeah. and what a difference he can make in your life, what a purpose he can give you. Um, and and the way you guys maybe are spreading, um, I don't know. Look this church yeah. up, guys. <laughs> I, would, I would say coming, coming, I think our timeline now, because the German country right now is on serious lockdown, serious lockdown because oh, of COVID. COVID. So it's been real. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really 
crazy. Like, I think we think in the States we've got it tough, but my friend Abby, who's over in Germany, she's like, don't whine. That's what she says. (laughs) Don't whine because you don't understand. You don't understand. Don't whine. And the the German people, they're rule followers. So, which is great. I think you should be a rule follower most of the time, but um, they are all about it. They're all about the lockdown stuff. So right now, um, prayerfully, LifePoint Stuttgart is coming January, most likely 20 or maybe August 22 or January 23. We're not quite sure yet. Got it. But just bit, but we are definitely out already trying to do outreach and serve the, the community there in Stuttgart and stuff. So. And the beauty of it's technology wild. is you can, you can tune in to, you know, sermons oh, yeah. where you live. You can that. tune in to even small groups. We have a thing called story school through our podcast yes. ladies that I want to remind you of. Um, if you're having a hard time finding community where you live now, first and best plug into the local church and find a group there. We never, <laughs> ever would would want to get in the way of that. But if you're having a hard time right now because of COVID, um, plugging into yep. community, join us for story school. We have yep. about 50 of us Great. all around the country that get together every Love Thursday it. at lunchtime and talk about Jesus and the Bible and other things. Okay. And love one another. Enough of that. Tammy, we're out of time, but we ah, no. I, I know. Didn't this go fast? Um, we Too fast. We always ask our guests one last question. If there was just one thing you could leave us with uh, today, what would it be? Can I have two things? (laughs) Absolutely. 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 Um, One thing I didn't get to talk about that is such a huge heart of my husband and I's is adoption. Um, We adopted our baby um, at five days old. Our youngest, his name is Jonas. And, um, you know, God, only God can write the most beautiful stories. And, um, after we had our daughter, Abigail, who's now four, um, we just felt like our family wasn't done. So when she was one, we started the adoption process through an agency here in town. And, um, they told us it would be probably a three-year wait because we already had biological children in our home. And a lot of the birth moms and birth dads will choose couples that aren't able to have children, but, Within three months of finishing all of our paperwork and home studies and all of that, um, Jonas was placed in our arms. And um, I, I just, it's not just adoption though that I would want to encourage, but I, I feel like we need to change the dialogue a little bit when it comes to the unbelievable women that are birth moms. That's right. Because they are brave. They are courageous. That's right. They made a choice that unfortunately I think the world shames. That's right. I've had an opportunity to speak to some birth moms and they feel very, um, they feel very guilty because they have heard a lot of how could you give your child away? How could you do that? You know, bah, 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 bah. and I just, I just said to them, what you did was a sacrifice, right. a sacrifice that no one could ever, I mean, what God did, he gave us his only son. Like in my, in our eyes, my husband and I, and our family, like birth parents, um, giving their children what they feel like they cannot is just the most beautiful and the greatest gift. And we have a small relationship with our birth mom. And every time we get to be with her, she just says, I can't thank you enough for 
bringing, you know, Jonas into your home and raising him. And I just have to like, say, you're so welcome, but I need you to know that I can't thank you enough for choosing us to raise your son, to love and, um, care for. And that child, our son, Jonas is the most beautiful boy and has the most incredible head of hair. He's part Puerto Rican and, um, but yet he still looks like us. I mean, it, you know, it's just, I just, I can't go without shouting from the rooftops, um, the unbelievable gift of adoption, but also the beautiful heart of birth moms and birth fathers to, to make such a great gift. And so I think us as believers, we can help in that. We've got to, you know, we're, we're very against the other. So Uh let's be very for placing children in homes and and all of that. It's unselfish. Yeah. It's unselfish. You know, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to give birth to a baby and then give it away because then I would have to have guilt or I would have to, you know, always think about that baby. So I'll just, I'll just take a different route and then I don't have to worry about it. Um, Right. That act is so unselfish and absolutely should be applauded. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I'll say hundred percent. I really believe um, that when people say that they're pro-life, um, it needs to be from womb to tomb because the courageous right. moms that have these children, we cannot cheer them on for having their child and then shame them after they've done what we've asked them to do. And um, I look at, for instance, uh, with my kids, they have the Mm -hmm. most amazing birth dad ever. And Mm -hmm. I can't imagine one day. Yeah. Of not being with my kids. Like I can't imagine it. And that's what, they literally are not with their children and they have made that choice because they know it's the best choice right now. And my thing is, man, let's cheer those birth families on. Let's cheer them on towards love and good deeds. Let's cheer them on for the courageous people that they are. What? I'm so sorry. I'm getting so emotional. You're alive. No, I'm, you're alive. I'm with you. (laughs) I I believe so much that, um, pro-life has become such an ugly word because mm-hmm. it's, um, we're not experiencing the fullness and the beauty of the whole definition. And that right. just as beautiful as my kids and your Jonas are in that life was afforded to them. It's as beautiful as, um, birth parents are because they too are image carriers of the most high God. And we should treat That's them right. as self. We should treat them as self. But anyway, all right, you had two. I just got off on a very big tangent. Amen. <laughs> I get on, man. I'm stuck. Okay, so tell no, me. I love, uh, it. I love it. And then my second one, which really has been such the theme of, of our whole interview today, which I've had a blast, by the way. I hope we can do it again. I don't know how long it has to be before there's a break, before I'm actually on the show again, but we'll call you. consider me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Um, but it's just staying faithful. And I... I mean, I think some of our younger generation coming up, like that's not cool anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like you start one thing and then that's a building block to the next thing, which is a building block to the next thing. And I'm not saying God doesn't work like that sometimes, yeah. Yeah. but like 
we've got to, we've got to go back to, you know, God is a God of order. So we've got to go back to like staying faithful to what he's put in front of us to do finishing well, because what, how you leave one thing is how you enter the next thing, whether you like that principle or not, it's just truth. It is what it is. So if you leave one thing hurt and broken and you don't deal with that or try to get that resolved and do all that you can do and not surrender it, you're just going to carry it with you into the next thing, you know, and God took the Israelites out of Egypt, but a lot of Egypt stayed in them even when they got out, you know? And so like, we've got to just kind of start talking about um, the testimony of what it looks like when you stay faithful. And Tammy, that right there is prophetic. And every woman and man that is listening to this podcast, if God is ending a season for you, whether it is at work, whether it is with family, whether you're going to be an empty nester, end it well, because mm-hmm. he is sending, he's never done with us. He's always no, never something new. So yes, what, how are you going into something new? Now I'll stop right there. Yeah. I'm out of Let me say one on this because I cannot fear not to. Susan, the other admonition we need to give our listeners is courage. Yeah. It takes courage to, um, yes, whatever season you're in to address it. Well, Irene Rollins, who we adore, adore, adore. Mm -hmm. Yes. You got to do the hard work. You got to do the hard work. Any listeners right now that are in the middle of crisis and they're in the middle of trying to homeschool their kids and work from home, all the things of regular life. And they're sitting there dying on the vine. and man, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And he gives us everything mm-hmm. that we need to be able to live in this world. And he heals the broken places. He pulls us out of pits. He doesn't want us to be pit dwellers. And I think of the woman right now that literally does not know how to put one step in front of the other. And what I have to say is, man, how you leave one thing is how you're going to enter the next thing. And here's how I will know it. When we are desperate on our knees, how we leave one thing is truly hanging on to the coattails of Jesus. Amen. And sometimes right. that's got to be enough because the courage is just to trust him in the next season. And just right. to say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'm just going to hang on to Jesus the whole time. Right. right. You know, so to every listener out there that maybe feels like my stuff is too big. Like, yeah. you know, I, I would say that my testimony is a testimony of grace. That's right. I, I came to know the Lord when I was four. I come from a, a long lineage of a Christian heritage. And honestly, I haven't, I haven't had to maneuver yet in my life, like some really intense things that I know a lot of people have. Yeah. And, but I will say that nothing, nothing, nothing in the Greek, nothing is nothing right. in the Hebrew. Nothing <laughs> is nothing. Yeah. Nothing is wasted with God. Right. He takes ashes and makes it beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time I checked, ashes is like nothingness. That's right. That's right. But he makes it beautiful. You and, know, um, I tell my kids all the time, I say um, that God is going to take the ash stories of your life and turn them into beautiful novels. In the end. And that mm-hmm. if there's a purpose for everything and that all yeah. of us have these ash stories, but at the end, it's all just going to be this beautiful novel that we get to hand at Jesus's feet. Amen. And and listeners, that's why we do this podcast. We truly believe stories change lives. It's Jesus behind the stories that is the change agent, but sharing Mm -hmm. our stories with one another. That's right. um, 
it, the ups, the downs, the dark, the the light, the joys. It makes you believe what's possible. It gives us courage and hope. That's and right. um and hope. Yep. And the the invitation to stay faithful and to hang in there. Um we love you, listeners. And truthfully, we could go on and on. Here's the thing. We are just going to have Tammy back again. We totally are. <laughs> okay. Totally. The answer is yes. Yay. Good, good, so good. good. So uh, Tammy, we love you. We love your ministry. We love your heart. And listeners, we love you all too. Yep. And we will see you next week. Yep. Love you guys. Bye.